the SHOT Show is like the Super Bowl, Christmas Day, and the World Cup, you know, for our community, all rolled into one. It's a, it's a gathering of the tribes. You know, people come from all over the world. We're like-minded. We have a, a love and passion for, for hunting and shooting and, and firearms ownership. And no other single event engenders that sense of community like the SHOT Show does. Hello there and welcome along to the first ever episode of the Gun Trade World podcast. Gun Trade World is the business-to-business magazine and media platform for the hunting, shooting and firearm industries and wow do we have a great first guest to kick off our new podcast series. We've been speaking to Chris Dolnak who is the Senior Vice President and Chief Customer Officer of the Firearm Industry Trade Association of the United States, the NSSF. Chris gives us some great insights into the current state of the market in the USA, the challenges and opportunities it faces, as well as giving us an exciting preview of the upcoming SHOT Show in Las Vegas in January 2022. So listen up and enjoy our conversation with the hugely knowledgeable and interesting Chris Dolan. Before we begin this episode, a quick word about our sponsor, Dupree International. Dupree International is a proactive, dynamic and passionate team of marketing experts with a track record of generating growth for businesses by discovering, defining and communicating the authentic identity of their brands. From emerging businesses through to globally recognised brands, Dupree works closely with companies to craft effective brand strategies and then communicates cohesive, targeted and defined messages that tell the story brilliantly to consumers and the trade alike. To learn more about Dupree International and how it could help you build your brand roadmap globally, head over to www.dupreeinternational.com. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast, Chris. Thank you, David. Glad to be here. So, obviously, most of the American readers and listeners um, for Gun Trade World will know all about the NSSF. And if they don't, then they definitely, definitely should. Um, <laughs> but just for our international listeners, perhaps you could just give us a very quick, brief overview of the organization and what it, what it does. Uh, well, NSSF is the Firearm Industry Trade Association. So we represent the manufacturers, wholesale distributors, retailers, shooting range operators, you know, as a trade association. So we do work with uh, the US government, um, regarding legislation, regulations, import, export, transportation, uh, things of that nature, um, as well as we have programs to try to introduce new shooters and new hunters, as well as to you know reactivate um, hunters and shooters to, to get out in the field more. We also have safety programs like Project Child Safe, um, which is distributed over 100 million uh, firearm safety kits, which include the uh, cable lock. And obviously, one of the other key things that the NSSF does is organize the SHOT Show, um, which is obviously the biggest um, trade event for the industry. So I just wanted to ask you, obviously, the last 18 months have been quite um, challenging for everyone, pretty much every business on earth. But I just want to know kind of how, how has the, the pandemic um, kind of impacted the NSSF um, as an event organizer and as an organization? And how have you kind of what challenges have you faced and, and how have you overcome those? Well, um, going back to 2020, immediately after the show, um, we went to um, a remote workforce 
as many businesses here in the U.S. did. And I have to say that our IT department did a fantastic job anticipating that and introduced on the fly a number of remote work tools. And I have to say that the, our team has done a, a fantastic job working remotely. Um, some of us do come in the office here and there, but then, you know, working remotely and tracking COVID and staying on top of, you know, developments worldwide, uh, developments within the trade show uh, industry, you know, then leading up to the 21 show, it became obvious that we would not be able to move forward uh, with the restrictions and with the extent of the pandemic. <clears throat> so as a result, a very difficult decision to cancel the show. Um, we were faced with obvious, obvious loss of revenue, and we, we had to reduce our staff by about 20% and implement you know, some pretty uh, stringent cost-cutting measures um, so that you know, we were doing less advertising, less promotion, sponsorship, and really focused on helping our, our members, businesses to get through the pandemic, uh, produced educational uh, webinars for them. Our government relations team uh, did an excellent job in getting firearms businesses in the United States declared essential businesses so that they could operate during the pandemic. And then, you know, just staying on top of everything. How, how are we going to move forward um, with the show? How are we going to move forward as an association, you know, with a reduced staff? And, and meanwhile, we had you know, tremendous boost in sales in the U.S., so it was it was kind of a um, an odd situation. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the kind of double edged sword that a lot of different industries have faced, having that, you know, the, the effects on the business, but then also the markets they're in. If it's something that is recreational, potentially like like shooting or hunting, then that's actually seen quite a big boom in the pandemic. So it has. Uh, you know, we had record hunting license sales um, across the United States. As more people had time, um, you know, and were housebound. So they were looking for things that they could do safely, um, you know, enjoy nature. I know fishing, camping, and boating also saw uh, tremendous increases. But it's interesting, of course, you had people that were not working as a result because many industries were not declared essential. So while you have a big increase in participation, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have big increases in sales across the board, because if people aren't working, of course, they don't necessarily have the income. Although we did see when the stimulus checks were issued, we did see some increases in larger ticket items. <laughs> but, you know, firearms and ammunition sales have remained near record highs um, as a result of all the social unrest and uncertainty of the pandemic. Um, and there's probably a bit of hoarding going along with that as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's sort of been a real dichotomy, you know, between you know, this global disruption and then increase in participation in sales. Which which must have made it all the more painful for you guys to not be able to run the shot show in in 2021. Um, but obviously, you did you did run um, kind of like a digital virtual um, event. We right? did, yeah, yeah, we did. And frankly, we had mixed results with that. You know, we have such a tactile audience. And they want to touch and feel the product, uh, feel, the, feel how the gun goes to the shoulder, feel the trigger pull, pull the zippers, inspect the stitching. Um, so from the product standpoint, it was, you know, like I said, mixed results, 
probably, I think it was like 46% of the buyers that participated were satisfied. So that's, that's not good enough for us. We did have that, you know, the new product gallery and the education sessions were well attended. But just overall, it was, it was lacking. We, we will have a, a digital component to the show, but you know, nothing will replace the in-person event. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That that's kind of what I was getting at is that a couple of other um, event organizers I've spoken to over the last six months or so have, have had to do similar, create like a digital event, um, and some of them have take. Obviously, it's never going to be the same, and it's it's not what we want. But there are a couple of things that came out of it were actually like, oh, okay, maybe we could use this alongside a physical show in the future. So it's it's good to hear. Well, as a result, as a result of seeing how well the education went over. We've had um, a lot more webinars this year, uh, not, not only from you know, the pandemic standpoint, but just business experts, regulatory experts. And we've been running a full-on digital SHOT Show Exhibitor Academy. That was an event we had live in Las Vegas in June for about 100 exhibitors. And since, you know, we've been running two a month starting in June, and we've had over 300 people, uh, 300 different companies you know, participate in those sessions. So that aspect of it, you know, we did learn a lot there that, um, and then we make them available on demand for exhibitors afterwards. So they can share it with their colleagues or, you know, view it later if they're not able to make it. Uh, And that kind of leads me into talking about, about the SHOT Show, uh, upcoming SHOT Show this January, which is the 18th to the 21st in Las Vegas. So besides that stuff, what else can you tell us about the show? Um, what have we got to look forward to? The, the people who've been dying to come for more than a year. Well, it, it's going to be the largest show we've ever had with the expansion to Caesars Forum, which is right next door to uh, the Venetian Expo. There's a bridge now that, um, that connects the two, and it takes about a minute to cross over. To the uh, to Caesar's Forum, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, we saw some of the regulations that were going into effect. We realized that over time, we had had some aisles that were narrow; uh, they were less than ten feet wide to accommodate moves and expansions by exhibitors. So we redrew the show floor, so now all our aisles are ten feet wide. The Venetian Expo has put in more than two hundred hand sanitizer stations throughout the facility. We have moved the new product center from level one at the Venetian to its own room in the uh, Caesars Forum. So that will be greatly expanded. And we have an opportunity for an outdoor area over at Caesars. So we will have uh, four shooting trailers there where buyers will be able to try different products. We also have um, a NASCAR simulator feature where there'll be a a simulated race car and some some NASCAR drivers there, you know, to interact with the attendees. We're looking at having uh, Ram trucks uh, have an outdoor ride along experience and also um, a field dog feature. So there'll be a lot going on out there along with food trucks so that, you know, you can get a breath of fresh air and try some new products, try some new experiences. Yeah, it sounds like you've really, uh, that, that physical stuff of touching and trying things, you're really going to expand that even further for for the return of a physical show so it sounds sounds great well i think that's the one thing that we learned through um among others through 18 months of polling of attendees uh, that was conducted by our show partners freeman and that is that attendees were excited to get back together 
um, not only to see the products, but to network. And they and they wanted more experiences. You know, I know the show is is large enough, and and it's and it's a hectic schedule to try to see everything that you you have on your your plan. But it, clearly, they wanted more experiences that that were unique to the shot show. So um, we're gonna we're gonna try to deliver those to them. Okay. Yeah, sounds great. And the registration is is open now. I'm, I'm right in thinking. So um, how how is that going? I- it was surprising. Normally, we open registration October first, and typically we will have about two thousand people register for the month of October. We we tend to have a late registration, in that about fifty percent of our attendees will register the last six weeks. When we open registration on Monday, the eighteenth. We paced at a thousand a day for the first four days, and then just less than a thousand Friday, Saturday, Sunday this past weekend. So that's that's very encouraging. Uh, the registration for our education sessions um, is pacing ahead of uh, 2020 as well. I, I would expect that it will slow down because I think many people are still taking a wait and see approach. How are things going to be, you know, after the Thanksgiving holiday or? How are things going to be after Christmas holiday? All the feedback we've received and, and then seeing the, the paid registrations, uh, people are genuinely excited. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, it sounds like you have kind of, for anyone who is a little concerned about attending a big event for the first time in a long time, it sounds like you have all the necessary kind of safety measures in place. We, well, we've had quite a long time to, to study it um, and to see what organizers you know, in Europe as well as um, United States are doing. And we've had a lot of help from trade show uh, organizations such as the International Association of Exhibitions and Events um, and then the international organization UFI. So yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of best practices shared, a lot of education delivered by those organizations as well as Freeman and CISO, which is the Society of uh, Independent Show Organizers, being able to see what's been successful uh, for other events, because obviously, you know, we want to make sure that our customers as well as our staff are, are going to be healthy and be in a safe environment. We don't want to put, obviously don't want to put anybody at risk. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, that's great to hear that the kind of all different show organizers have pulled their knowledge and, you know, work together to, to try and to get going again because obviously the exhibition industry was one of the hardest uh hit by anything really and yeah that kind of leads me on to what i was what i was next going to ask which was obviously shot has a a pretty international footprint you know it's a it's a big global event you may have already seen this in your registration but do you think that that might be slightly tempered this year with people not sure about travel to the states yet or uh uh, yeah i don't think there's i don't think there's any doubt david there's going to be a reduction in international attendance uh, we normally have about 15% of our of our attendees are uh, come from international uh, destinations, and you know between the pandemic and all the restrictions on travel and the difficulty in obtaining visas, that's that's a real challenge. We've had we've had some even exhibitors that have been trying to obtain visas since uh, June, and, and so that's been a real challenge. Um, now. With the Biden administration uh, lifting the travel restriction on November 8th for fully vaccinated travelers, that'll be a big help. <clears throat> and certainly, you know, so that will that will help us with attendance from the EU. But it's still challenging from a standpoint of countries like Turkey, uh, China, Japan, um, where there'll likely be reduced um, reduced attendance from those countries. 
Yeah, it's um, obviously, obviously uh, from our, our standpoint in Europe, we've been keeping a keen eye on when when Europeans might be allowed back into the US again. So that's that's good from that point. But like you say, that's not the that's not the only international attendees you have. But at least you'll hopefully be able to um, engage with those people with the online elements that you have, and um, you know, just just hope that those restrictions eventually <laughs> fade away by next year. Hopefully, <laughs> keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. So I guess um, what you were saying before about how you've worked closely together with other show organizers and other show organizing um, umbrella companies, I guess that's a big part of what you do. And also working really closely with your exhibitors and attendees um, to sort of make improvements to shot. So do you have any examples of things you've you've worked with exhibitors closely and visitors closely to change things at shot? Uh, sure. Well, I think, you know, the, the, the outdoor activity uh, center, you know, with the shooting trailers and different activities, um, that's that's come directly from our attendees. You know, from the 18 months of polling we did every, you know, bi-monthly um, with Freeman, um, tracking their their comfort level. You know, with traveling, with attending live events, from the standpoint of health and safety protocols. And you know, we also have an exhibitor advisory council um, that we have a third party. Um, moderate for us so that hopefully then the exhibitors are more comfortable sharing that uh, with a third party and then you know their input is aggregated so it's not it's not attributed to any specific person or company so we've got a lot of good feedback there you know, particularly regarding health and safety yeah sure sure i understand that's obviously the main concern with things this year um the next thing i wanted to ask you was um about kind of we've kind of touched on it a little already but um what a lot of people i've been speaking to in in various different industries over the last year have sort of said that this pandemic actually gave them an opportunity to kind of self-analyze and take a closer look at what they do well and what they don't do and obviously certain things like having to reduce staffing numbers and things and make their operations a bit leaner um has has the nssf and, and shot gone through something similar and what changes have you made oh certainly um you know, the, we, like I said, we had a reduction in staff. Um, so we have, and we have learned that, um, you know, we needed to change the way that we engage with our members. So therefore, we're spending a lot more time and a concerted effort making outbound calls to members to check in on them, see how we could help them, um, as opposed to um, sending out, you know, so many emails every day or every week, and to be more personalized uh, with that. And so we've gotten a lot more feedback. Um, our, our membership retention rate um, from year over year from the fiscal year has increased from like 62% to um, 80%, I think, as a result of that personal touch and the education that we've, that we've put out uh, trying to help our, our member companies navigate you know, this big disruption. And, you know, like, as I mentioned before, we've also minimized spending um, on sponsorships and advertising um, and things like that. And we've focused more on um, helping our, our members through um, legislation and, and working with regulatory um, agencies, um, both domestically and, you know, regarding import, importation and, and export. Um, and we've really upped our communications and, and personalized it so that we're not sending the same emails to everyone. You know, so we have more, more focused email communication, video communication, specific 
to to those members. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like I say, it's it's a great in a way. It's a kind of an opportunity. This this huge thing we've all been through is is an opportunity to try and come back, you know, build back a bit stronger and a bit better and and smarter. It sounds like you're doing that. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes, like you said, it, t- it takes a disruption like this to make you do some self-reflection and to to ask your customers and ask your partners, what is it that they need right now? A, a recent podcast I did, someone put it to me in quite a, quite a good way, I thought, and they said, uh, never waste a crisis, um, which I thought was good. <laughs> quite a good line. Um, it's very optimistic anyway. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, I thought we could also maybe you could maybe just give us a little bit of an insight into the the general state of the shooting, hunting and firearm industry in the United States at the moment. Obviously, we touched on a couple of things, but but how, how are things generally? Well, we, you know, as I mentioned, we've seen, you know, increased participation across the board, hunting, target shooting, as well as a tremendous increase in sales from a personal protection standpoint, you know, with the civil unrest and and you know shortages of goods and, and uncertainty. Um, so we've seen people uh, buy more firearms, particularly handguns, uh, ammunition. And again, there might be a little bit of hoarding going on there. You know, from the ammunition standpoint, uh, because you know you just can't find product uh, on the shelves. And you know the manufacturers are working you know three shifts a day, twenty four hours a day to try to meet demand. But you know, with that, you're seeing shooting ranges. Are, are completely booked up. You have to make an appointment at many ranges. Um, their classes are full because as you have more shooters, more gun owners coming in, they're, they're seeking training, going through the, the training and certification process in order to get their uh, concealed carry permits. So from that standpoint, there's been, you know, the industry is, is just busier than ever. And, you know, there's, uh, there's been a, another um benefit to it, if you will, is that our our customers, our end users, the consumers have become more diverse, you know, because let's, you know, people are people, you know, everybody wants good schools, low crime, low taxes, and they also want their families to be safe. And that, that transcends, you know, gender, race, ethnic background. So we're seeing more people of color coming into the, to gun ownership and seeking training and and joining shooting organizations and gun owner organizations. So from that standpoint, I think it's a, you know, it's, it's been tremendous for the industry. Kind of like an, an unexpected benefit, but um, yeah, it's, it's great. Obviously more diverse it is, the better. Well, yes. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, but you know, people are people, you know, we, yeah. we all yeah. have the same basic desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Have you, have you experienced um, obviously a lot of the, the firearms that, um, in the United States are actually made in the United States, but have you had any issues in the industry with uh, like material supply? Because a lot of other industries have had big issues with, you know, if they're manufacturing overseas, then that's different. But even just material supply, they're having having trouble with that. Is that something that's happened in the US? Um, Here and there, you know, but by and large, you know, they have long-term contracts, you know, whether suppliers and, you know, whether it's for, for steel or, or aluminum and, and wood, for the most part, you know, there's, there hasn't been, you know, a lot of disruption, you know, from the firearm and ammunition standpoint. I guess that's a real benefit of um, having things made in the USA, because you, you don't have those problems with shipping and stuff. I'm just thinking of some examples from other industries, 
um, similar you know to hunting like fishing or camping they've had some real problems with supply because a lot of stuff is made overseas and well there's no doubt that there's been <clears throat> some shortages um you know in certain product categories soft goods and in terms of packs bags nylon um goods you know hunting jackets and clothing things like that um as well as footwear you know because of the most of that's most of it comes in from Asia now, on a contract basis. And so, you know, you've had the pandemic has impacted manufacturing, you know, where you had factory that was, had 1,200 people working in three shifts are only able to operate one shift with 400 people and they're keeping the workers on site and feeding them. So, and now we have the, the backup at the ports, ports of entry with all the cargo ship from a lack of labor. So yeah, there are, there definitely are supply chain uh, challenges out there they may not may not resolve themselves into 2022 no that, that, that's the uh the feeling i'm getting from some other some other industries related to, to firearms um yeah so another thing i wanted to ask you you did briefly touch on it i think before but i just wanted to kind of ask it's been roughly a year since uh the biden administration um came in in the united states how has that been for the firearms industry um, it's been a two-edged sword, you know, the, okay. because the, um, the democratic party still continues to bang the drum for more gun control, um, as being the solution for the criminal misuse of firearms. Um, so that causes concern that certain firearms may not be available, you know, if legislation is passed, so people are buying them, but, you know, gun owners are being vilified for, for the use of firearms and crimes. And unfortunately, the, the mainstream media here in the United States has, has been a willing accomplice on, on that. Uh, instead of public punishing criminals and you know, enforcing the laws and, and then giving them mandatory sentences, you know, it seems to be a revolving door in some cities. And it's, it's ironic that uh, the cities that have the most restrictive gun laws in the United States also have the highest crime rates. You said it's been a double-edged sword, so there has been a, a positive side as well, or well, because of the because of the increase in sales, because of the the concern that certain firearms, whether they be modern sporting rifles or or handguns, uh, might be legislated, um, you know, out of circulation. So people are concerned, and they're and they're buying buying those products or you know ammunition. Um, there's been <clears throat> at the state and local levels particularly in California, you know, bills introduced, they haven't gone anywhere, you know, to put a very restrictive taxes on, on ammunition. Uh, there was one bill, I don't know if it was, I think it might've been Oregon, um, but I could be mistaken, but they wanted to put a $10 tax on each round of ammunition. So, so those concerns are driving, driving demand. So, you know, there's the two-edged sword that, you know, we got on one hand, they're trying to, to make things more restrictive, legislate us out of business on the other hand it's causing tremendous demand for for products okay this might lead into the next thing i was going to ask which is what what are the biggest challenges facing the firearms industry at the moment in your opinion well i think it's just that that the that the industry and gun owners are being vilified for the criminal misuse of firearms and you know and, and the media bias um, that goes along with that but with that brings opportunities as well you know, we have tremendous opportunities like like welcoming new new gun owners, whether, you know, personal defense or new target shooters or or hunters, whether they're brand new 
or maybe they used to hunt or they used to shoot and now they're, you know, getting back into it. Um, so there's tremendous opportunities there. And we have programs like the plus one movement um, where we encourage hunters and shooters to take someone else out and in introduce them. We have, we have separated out for in large part our consumer facing web content from our trade association. And so we have two websites, let's go hunting and let's go shooting, you know, that provide re resources of where you can go to buy products, um, where you can find shooting ranges, where, how you can buy a hunting license, you know, how, how to go through the process of receiving training and getting your concealed carry permit, seeing a lot more opportunity there. And not only from the, from us, from the association, but many of our member companies are also starting initiatives, you know, where their, their field representatives and their ambassadors and influencers are, are joining in, try to, try to create a more welcoming environment. And, and it's also reinforced, you know, it's an opportunity for us, you know, given all the media bias and the uh, misguided, um, misguided attempts by politicians uh, to legislate their communities into being safer, you know, to put more emphasis on firearm safety and training and education and to, you know, disseminate the facts. Well, I think some of those challenges you, you're talking about, they're, they're kind of always going to be there, but it sounds like there's a heck of a lot of other things to be positive about in the industry right now. And, and it sounds like there's some great opportunities as well. So it's, guess it's just a case of everyone working together in the industry right being pulling together and, and, and i think and david i think that's that's been a result of this of, you know between the pandemic and the change in administrations and you know my goodness all the the open lawlessness um that we that we see on the news um yeah i think that's that's really galvanized gun owners and hunters and shooters and and the industry you know, brought everyone together and, and put everyone in a, nearly everyone in a in one direction, you know, being of one, one mind, one resolve. It makes perfect sense really. And um, yeah, it's, it's one of the unexpected positives of this, all this craziness that we've been through in the last year or so. Okay. I just wanted to, to go with one, one last thing I wanted to ask you kind of circling back to the shot show. So if you had to give three, reasons why someone should attend the SHOT Show or why the SHOT Show is unmissable for, for a firearms industry professional, um, what would they be? Well, first and foremost, it's the one place you can go and see everyone and everything you need to get a competitive edge. Well, you can speak with the CEO of the company there. You can speak with the engineer who designed the product. Every company has a tremendous amount of resources available on site um, so that you, know, you can see the product, try the product, get straight from the horse's mouth well, what makes the product unique and what the advantages are. And then that gives the buyer a competitive advantage when they go back to their shop and a customer comes in and it's one thing, you know, they see an ad or they see it on, on television or on YouTube, but then for the, for the retailer to be able to say, well, I spoke with the CEO of XYZ company, or I spoke with the, the engineer who designed this and they told me, and if the, if the retailer doesn't go to the SHOT Show, doesn't speak to those people, doesn't have that experience, they can't relay that information to their customer. So I think that's, that's first and foremost from, from the buyer standpoint, the, the networking opportunity. And that's one thing we've, we've heard consistently 
over the last 18 months in our polling is that you know, the, the industry and the, the community that we have as an industry misses the networking and seeing old friends and, and learning from one another. You know, I, I think about my experience is going to a conference, whether it's a marketing conference or a trade show conference, oftentimes, I mean, the, the programs are fantastic, you know, the education sessions, but so much of what you you learn, the takeaways come from individual conversations, whether it's at a, at a breakfast or having a cup of coffee or perhaps having a, an adult beverage after hours. So you pick up so much more information there um, through one-on-one networking. The third thing is that, you know, the SHOT Show is like the Super Bowl, Christmas Day, and the World Cup, you know, for our community, all rolled into one. It's, it's a gathering of the tribes. You know, people come from all over the world. We're like-minded. We have a, a love and passion for, for hunting and shooting and, and firearms ownership. And no other single event engenders that sense of community like the SHOT Show does. That's why we have 60,000 people from, you know, well, there's 107 countries coming together, you know, for four days. And it's just, there's just so much, it's a tremendous energy, not only on the show floor, but, you know, even after hours, whether you're in the casinos or, you know, in the pubs or, you know, you just, you feel that vibe, you feel that energy. Absolutely. That's a, that's a fantastic way of putting it. And uh, I know the the team here at Gun Trade World are already pretty excited about attending, but you just... Uh... You just stoked the fire and got us a bit more excited there. So that's awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Um, look forward to seeing you in January. Absolutely. Yeah. It'd be fantastic. And, uh, yeah. Yep. We'll talk soon.